You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. Well, man, in case you're new here, one of the things that I really love about our church is the diversity here. I mean, uh, we come from all different backgrounds, and economically, there's a lot of diversity here. I mean, there are people that live in houses and high-rises and also underneath bridges. And there's also a lot of generational diversity here as well. I mean, there are people in this room from generation X, Y, and Z, elemental P, all across the board, right? Uh, there are people here uh, with all kinds of religious and spiritual thinking backgrounds, everything from atheists, agnostics, to Catholic, Baptist, Methodist. You know, I spent some time in a Baptist church at some point, and they were kind of the, the denomination that's known for, like, not drinking or not dancing, you know? And so how do you know, how do you tell the difference between a Methodist and a Baptist? Well, uh, the Methodists will say hi to you in the liquor store. That's how you know uh, the difference there. <laughs> Right, but we have all kinds of different backgrounds, spiritually speaking, represented here. And some of you, all of you, have been exposed to all these different kinds of churches, you know. And so, let me show you a few of the different kinds of churches that I think people have been exposed to. There's what I call the self help, everybody's okay church, and that's represented by the old Saturday Night Live character, Stuart Smalley. Do we remember Stuart Smalley? He was the guy that said, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and Doggone it, people like me, right? So uh, in the self-help church, it's all, everybody's okay. And I think what people realize when you go to the self-help church is that, man, there, there's got to be a little bit of an edge to it, right? I mean, it's not that we're okay or we wouldn't be here because we realize we're not okay and we need to do something to become okay. And Jesus says, you're like the salt of the earth and the light of the world. The Bible teaches that as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So sometimes there needs to be a little friction in the community. Am I right about that? And so check out the next kind of church that uh, you guys have been exposed to. It's what I'm calling the Meaningless Traditions Church. That's where Mr. Bean goes to church, is represented by that. Maybe you've seen that on YouTube or in syndication or whatever, but um, it's the church where it's like the meaningless traditions. You're fighting to stay awake. You gotta put toothpicks in your eyes, you know, to keep you awake because the guy's just up there droning on, you know, like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 you know, and you don't know when to stand up, when to sit down. You don't know the liturgy, you don't know the words of the song, and you're just like, for crying out loud, can this be over so I can go eat barbecue and watch the Cowboys, right? Uh, well, here's the next kind of church is what I'm gonna call the boycott church. And this church is represented by the water boy's mom. Remember her? Everything's of the devil. And so this kind of church, they boycott everything and everyone. They're way more known by what they're against than what they're for, right? And what happens is, is a boycott church person comes into our church and they're like, hey, you should be picketing this or you should be boycotting these people. And we say, no, we would prefer just to love people, you know, kind of like Jesus says, you'll be known by your love, you know, and then they start boycotting us. That's what happens. So uh, the, the last kind of church that some of you have been exposed to is what I'm going to call the charismaniac church, okay? Uh, that one is represented by Steve Martin in that movie from back in the day, Leap of Faith, you know, is this crazy, wild, charismatic experience. And what happens is you go into that church, you know, you don't know how to do the church drill and you walk in there and you see all these people speaking in tongues, right? It's like, should about a Honda, but about a Kia, you know? And so they're just like, what's going on there? Well, it's like Paul says in first Corinthians, like 
if, if unchurched people or people from the outside come in and they hear everybody speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're all crazy. And that's exactly indeed what happens. You know, you walk into that uh, charismaniac church and you're like, this is cray cray. I'm getting out of here before uh, they freak out my children. But um, what, what you know that uh, there are certain parts of all of these different churches that are good. Um, but what we want you to understand here is that in all our diversity, we're trying to uh, help spiritual investigators know God. We're trying to make it understandable for people who don't come from a church. And so we're not, we're not trying to just reach people who are mad at their pastor or mad at their church and get people from other churches and swap sheep. What we're trying to do is help people who feel far from God become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And one of the things that you've noticed this year is that we've had a lot of baptisms. I mean, I think we've had over 200 people that have come to faith in Jesus here at this church um, and been baptized in the recent years. And at this service and the 1130 service, it's getting a little tight. Uh, and some of you have asked me, Doug, what are we going to do about our growing church? I mean, because we've got a small space here, what are we going to do? Well, what we're praying about is, God, would you provide us with a larger space so we continue to grow? In addition to that, we're going to help Pastor Humby plant a church next year somewhere else here in the inner city. So there'll be another church, right? So in addition to all that, uh, in December, I'll be introducing you to a new pastor that's going to be a part. I'm not going anywhere, but another pastor who's going to help us train 150 leaders to make an impact in our tribe groups. But um, we, what we've said is that we've come from all these different backgrounds, right? And we've come with this one unity of purpose. It's really important for us to understand a clear-cut direction that we're going. And here it is in our transforming idea. We're a city tribe. And before I go on, let me just say, city is very important to the ethos and culture of the, our environment here um, because we understand that city goes from the center city out to the suburbs and the country. If you want to go see, it's true in the arts, if you want to go see Hamilton, the show, um, you're not going to go to the suburbs to see Hamilton. You're going to go into a city, right, where the center of culture and art happens. And so we're a city tribe who helps people who feel far from God do four things. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We do those four things. Everything in our church is centered around those four things. And so how about we say them out loud together when I point to you? You ready? Here we go. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. That's what we're trying to do here. And so each week during the series, I've tried to break down each one of the four areas of emphasis here. Last week, we talked about knowing God. This week, we're going to explore finding freedom. And when it comes to finding freedom, there's a lot of stuff we could talk about today. But I wanted to drill down on one area that's so central to what we're doing here. And it's that we find spiritual freedom in tribe relationships. We find our spiritual freedom in tribal kinds of relationship. This is why the language, the word tribe is so significant to what we're doing here. You hear us repeat it all the time. Um, so let me show you this played out from the wisest man that ever lived, one of the wisest men that ever lived in Ecclesiastes. That would be Solomon. Look at Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9. He says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
If either of them falls down, one can help the other one up. And look at this next sentence. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Now keep your place there mentally for just for a minute. Solomon says he pities anyone that falls down and doesn't have everybody to lift them up. And that's what this church is all about, is that we all fall at different times, don't we? We all stumble and struggle, but we need someone who will help us up. And indeed, we need to be the person that helps lift someone else up when they're struggling, hurting, and stumbling in this life. Now, look at the next sentence. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And so three is strong, right? That's a rope that can't easily be broken. And remember what we're here for is to help people up and to be helped up in tribe relationships. Now, there's an author and pastor that I really like. His name is John Ortberg. And he says, there's power in a single phone call. And all of us know that because we've received phone calls that really made a big impact on our lives. For example, some days you've gotten that phone call. Remember when you got the phone call where you found out you got the job? It's like, wow, that changed my life, right? Or you got the phone call from the hospital and you found out, yes, we're pregnant, you know, more precisely, she's pregnant, right? Uh, that, that was the good news, wasn't it? Maybe you got the phone call from your realtor and your realtor says, you've got the house under contract. And it changed your life. Those are the good calls, aren't they? But we also know there are the bad calls where you get the phone call from the hospital and it's like the test results are in and it's not good. It's not good. Or maybe you got the phone call from the police and they're like, we've got your son in custody. Or maybe uh, you get another phone call that's not so good. It's like, wow, you get, you get a phone call from your significant other and it's like, um, I don't think this is working out. Some of you know that phone call. And it's probably bad that they did it via phone call rather than face-to-face, but you know how it goes. It's be- at least it's better than a text, right? We know that the phone call's coming for all of us And who is it that's going to help you up after you get the phone call? So there's this Harvard researcher named Robert Putnam, and he wrote this book called Bowling Alone. And in this book, he explains that people who are relationally isolated are more likely to experience colds, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, depression, and premature death of all sorts. And he references over a dozen studies that tell us that people who are isolated are too and five times more likely to die of all causes compared with matched individuals who live in community. And this is why God created the church, is because God's desire is that all of us live in this close-knit community of friends and a tribe of people that we can trust. There's never really been anything like the church. And one of the things that's revealed in Robert Putnam's research is that the church actually works. That I I understand that the church is is a punching bag these days, right? It's an easy target for people to gripe about because anywhere you gather people, you're going to have mistakes because people make mistakes, don't they? But here's the deal. The church actually works and the research reveals it. So according to Robert Putnam's research, there is a correlation between church attendance and happiness. So people in his research 
who don't attend church at all are below the average level of happiness in America. And then people who attend church 20 times a year have an average level of happiness. But what his research found is that people who attend church every week are among the happiest people in America. And there's one small subgroup that is a little bit more happy than people who go to church every week, and they are also people who do go to church at the same time. Do you want to know who those people are? Well, I'll tell you in two weeks, I'll explain uh, who those people are um, here in a minute. But Robert Putnam's research reveals the bottom line, that if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. Isn't that cool? So we should have a mantra around here, join a tribe group or die, okay? Uh, That's what it should be. But it's also one of the primary ways that we grow spiritually and we find freedom from the dysfunctional behaviors in our lives. And so we see this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. Look at that passage with me where the author says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up, look at this next part, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So what he's saying there is is basically, hey, we need to regularly meet together. Don't quit meeting together as is the habit of some. And we're not that church that creates some legalistic rule where, well, you better make it to at least three weeks out of the month or four weeks out of the month, you know, we, we don't say, hey, you're, you're, God doesn't love you anymore if you skip a week at church. I get that some people are watching online right now because you're sick or you have to work today or something happens. But what we do know from the research is we're happier if we regularly attend church or our group. But what some people experience is what we call entropy. You know what entropy is? It's a gradual decline into disorder. And I've had, if I've had this conversation once, I think it's probably been a hundred times, is that people will come to me and they say, Pastor Doug, you know, I don't know what happened, but I just feel like my life is in disarray. And spiritually speaking, I don't feel this connection to God. And it all started when I just, one summer, I just decided I was going to go to the lake every weekend and I was going to skip church. I just didn't want to come. And then I just found myself skipping church regularly. And now I feel kind of empty on the inside. And it's just this principle of entropy. We're made to gather together. It's kind of like that coal in the fire that gets separated from the rest of the coals and it starts to turn gray and ashy. But if you take the tongs and move it over next to the other coals, it lights up again and it starts to glow again. And for some of you, it's time, you know, you you happen to wander into church today, but it may be time to get your glow back. You know what I'm saying? And get back to the rest of the the fire, see, to, to start glowing again, because there's something about gathering with God's people and worshiping him and connecting and interacting with other people that helps us to become happy. But um, last week I was talking about tribes and I mentioned this book that was meaningful to me. And it was written by Sebastian Younger. It's not a Christian book, but it's called Tribe on Homecoming and Belonging. And this book, the author Sebastian Younger talks about how the white people in the early American history were regularly leaving their settlements to join with the Indian tribes. And the reason they did that is because they loved the close-knit community and the interdependence of the tribes. But his further research explains how 
a lot of American war veterans come home and they can't function properly at home. They experience high levels of PTSD. Um, and, and, and you know why some of them wish that they could go back to battle? It's because they miss their platoon. They miss their tribe. People that they knew they could depend on. And they would rather go live in awful conditions in dangerous places than to be in a safe place here and not be connected to their brothers, their sisters, see? You know, uh, he compares Israel to the United States and shows how uh, PTSD among soldiers from Israel is only 1% of their soldiers. And here it's 15%. And part of the reason for that is because everyone in Israel has to serve in the military. And so when soldiers come back, the rest of their community understands what they've been through and they can relate, you know. But you know another reason for that? is that the Israelis are more communal. In fact, when they were first formed, if you were to go back in the Old Testament, the Bible, when the nation of Israel started, they were organized into groups called what? Tribes. That's why they're known as the 12, what? Tribes of Israel, see? And we were made to be interconnected in these relationships with brothers who've got our back, sisters who uh, will lay down their lives for us and... Uh, be in community with us. And you know, the one thing that was really sad to me about Sebastian Younger's book, it wasn't any of the content in the book, but it was an interview I heard with him. Since I was interested in the book, you know, I watched the video interview. And the interviewer asked Sebastian Younger, he said, well, in light of all your research, how do you live in this tribal kind of community? And you know what he said? He said, well, in our society, it's really hard to live that way. So basically what he was saying, he kind of him hot around a little bit. He's saying, I did all this research, but I don't do it, is what I was hearing. Isn't that sad? That a guy sees the research, he knows what we know from the scriptures, but he doesn't do it because it's hard these days, see? Is it any wonder that our people are living in these epidemic levels of depression and anxiety and struggles is we're not living the way God wired us to live. And look, I didn't spend, you know, this, this teaching today is not one where I'm like spending an hour breaking down a Greek word on the meaning of community. And those of you that have read your Bibles know that we could go through the whole Bible and we could spend another two hours or so if you would sit here that long um, to study how we're supposed to be in relationships with each other. We know that it's true. We all know that. But this isn't a service where I'm trying to get you to know something. I want you to do something, see? And I'm doing it myself. So you say, well, Doug, what are you asking me to do? Well, I want to break it down real simply. And you can really sum it up in one thing. After the service today, I go meet with Humby at the table, and he'll help you get into the tribe. But here are three manifestations of this. Number one, he'll give you the tribe menu. And you know what you do? You just look through the menu, and you pick one. I mean, some of them are classes. Some are groups that meet in homes. They're all over the map, right? But we consider them all tribes, even though some may be considered like classes. Others are groups of every sort. But I want to encourage you in this is that when you pick one, sometimes you'll pick one and you'll go to that one and you don't connect or resonate with it. And you think, oh, you throw the baby out with the bathwater and don't go to any group. Well, sometimes you'll go to one. It's not a fit for you. Well, just try another one. 
I want to encourage you to keep trying them until you find the exact group that's best for you. But number two, he's starting new tribes today. And some of you can fill up those brand new tribes that are starting right now this week. But number three, here's one. Identify your already existing tribe and become what we call a tribal catalyst. For some of you, the regular organic rhythms of your life don't lend themselves to getting involved in a particular class at the church or group at the church, but you're already in community with particular people. And if you would be a catalyst or initiate spiritual conversation among that group of people, you'd have yourself a tribe. And some of you say, well, wait a minute, Pastor Doug, but that's not one of the official church ones. I don't care. You know why pastors like to count, they like to have everybody do what's in their church or whatever so they can count their numbers and brag to their, their pastor friends about how many people are in groups and stuff like that. But look, there's no time for that. We would just want you to be in these relationships so that you can be healthy spiritually. And some of you can become a tribal catalyst with the group of people that you're already connected with. And you say, well, how do I do that? Well, let me show you an acrostic. You may want to peck this into your phone or whatever, but it's acrostic tribe. The T in tribe stands for teaching. There, there probably needs to be some teaching in your group. So the way that you can get at that, like the group I go to right now, sometimes I just read through the Bible and talk about it. Uh, currently, we're going through this eight-week video series on the prophetic. Um, some people just like to listen to the messages from here. Here's how you can get our messages. We have a YouTube channel called City Tribe Media, and you can watch this service or any of our services from Sundays uh, in order to lead your tribe in that. You can also go to iTunes or SoundCloud and get the podcast of the messages here and reread the Bible verses that we study in our services. The R in tribe stands for refreshments. Look, if you're not eating, you're not tribing, okay? Uh, you come together and you eat together. Tribes eat. That's what Jesus did in the New Testament. They always gather together with a meal. And I'm telling you, statistically speaking, if your group has a group leader that has the gift of hospitality, that group is more likely to succeed than a group that has a gifted teacher. But look at number uh, the next one, I. The I in tribe stands for intercession. That's just a word that means prayer. And when someone has a need, you gather around that person, you ask permission to put your hands on his or her shoulders, and you pray for them and ask God to heal them and work in their lives. But the be in tribe stands for be the church. You be the church to each other. Like, for example, we have these child dedications today. If someone in your group has a new child and your kid's already grown a little bit and you don't need those baby clothes, give them your baby clothes. We meet each other's needs. There's one tribe that started just with the purpose of being the church. It's called the bridge and the whole purpose for them to serve people that are living on the streets with clothes, food. This weekend, they, they gave people haircuts, portable showers, and service dogs to help out, right on? And so this is what being in a tribe is about. But the E in tribe stands for encourage. Remember earlier we read from Hebrews, and it said it's an emphasis, encourage one another. Because we all know that it's a tough world out there where people aren't encouraging us, are they? You ever go to work, you know, and people just tell you how nice you are and how much they, no, they don't do that. It's like that guy on that show Cheers said, it's a doggy dog world out there and I'm wearing milk bone underwear, man. But here, look, <laughs> we need a place where we can get encouraged, where we can be built up, where people can speak truth into us that encourages us to walk with God. And what I want you to understand is that people all over our church are experiencing these kind of relationships and it's helping them get free 
of all sorts of issues. And so this past week, I sent out some messages to just some people who were involved in groups, and I got more responses than what I'm able to even read to you or tell you today. And I just sat in my office this past week crying because it landed on me the weightiness and the importance of what we're doing here and how it's making an impact on lives. And rather than me speak it in my words, I'm going to read the impact of these groups from people, people's real testimonials. So this is Allie. Allie says, I witnessed a friend living a life of sobriety from alcohol, and it was inspirational and challenged me to do the same. Seven and a half months later, I'm still sober because his testimony and support gave me hope. You really are the average of the five people you surround yourself with. Now take a look at what Tim says. Tim said, my tribe is constantly reminding me that God has a plan for me and my family. When I'm dealing with anxiety, they are there to support me through it week in and week out without judgment. Isn't that great? And then here's what Ben says. I was angry 24 hours a day at myself, my wife, and at God. My anger came out a lot when meeting with our tribe. I was not fun to be around. They showed us love and compassion by welcoming us into the tribe. Our marriage is strong today and would not be so without our, and he calls it his family. That's a combination of friends and family there, right? Uh, But then there's Mary. Look at what Mary says. I was able to disclose and release an incident of sexual abuse. I learned to forgive my mother and I rec- uh, who I reconciled with after 35 years. I never felt judged and I was able to finally free myself of the many skeletons in the closet. I finally feel free and blessed to have such a close connection with Jesus. And then finally, there's Jessica. And Jessica said, I grew up in a household where abuse of drugs and alcohol and abuse of each other was normal. My mom would frequently tell me that she wanted to abort me. My tribe, even though they knew the worst things about me, things that I held with great shame, like the extent of the abuse and the most terrible things that I had done, they loved me and they had unconditional love for me through Christ. The greatest thing I got through my tribe was worthiness, a deep value that only God can give. I was just blown away when I read some of these things. I just sat in my office and it dawned on me the importance of these groups. Because remember earlier, we said there's power in a single phone call. The time to create tribal connected friendships is now. Because when the phone call comes, it's too late and they may not be there. I can guarantee you these two things today. Number one is the call is going to come for you. And if you think you don't need other people, the call will come and the day will come when you will realize it will dawn on you. Wow, I need other people in my life. And a second thing I want to guarantee you is that even if you don't need anyone, Someone needs you. Someone needs you. And it just blows me away when I meet people that tell me they're mature Christians. And yet, they're only looking for spiritual formation that has to do with them and not helping others up. See? 
You know, I'll never forget the day when Jeannie, my wife, and I got the call. And the call was not good news. It was that her dad, my beloved stepdad, had cancer. And it was already beyond repair. And it was only a matter of time. And we knew that we would have to fly to another state far from here many times in the process of his chemo as well as his hospice care. And we did not have the money to pay for that many plane tickets. When a guy who to this day is one of my best friends in one of our tribe groups from here at church, he had extra airline miles that he was willing to give to us so that we could make those flights on many trips. And what I found out later is that my friend lied to me. He didn't have miles. He just knew that I wouldn't want to take it. And so he made that up because he was just paying for those tickets. And I want to ask you, what is it worth to be able to spend time with your dad in the last days of his life? And the only reason that my wife was able to spend those precious moments with his dad in the last days of his life was because a friend and a tribe. And that's why I want to encourage you, implore you, that if you're not involved with any group, go out to that table today and talk to Humby and let him help you get into one of these types of groups. You know, God is a tribe. It's a tribe of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, a rope, a cord of three strands together as one. And what Jesus said is, he want, I want you guys to be as close as I and the Father are close together. I want you to be one. And he wanted you to be one in his tribe so badly that he was willing to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. So with that in mind, let's bow for prayer as we wrap up today. And as we bow before the Lord, maybe you'd want to join love relationship with God that you've never had before and just talk to him in your own heart and mind and say something like this. Look, God, I know I've fallen short and I've not always done things like I know you would want me to. I've sinned. And in these moments right now, I'm choosing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross, he was dying to pay the penalty for my sin. So God, I welcome you into my life. Father, the rest of us are focusing in on how we're involved in tribal community where people can depend on us and we can depend upon them. We love you and ask you to help us as we try to walk in these ways of Jesus. And we pray these things in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.